Hey everyone, and welcome to the South Carolina Grower Exchange Podcast. Every week, agents, specialists, and growers from around the state chat about what's happening in the field and discuss the latest crop weather, insect, disease, and weed issues, as well as timely reminders and information related to fruit and vegetable production in South Carolina. Remember, you can read weekly field updates and register for upcoming events by visiting the SC Grower blog at scgrower.com. All right. Welcome back to the South Carolina Grower Exchange podcast. We are excited to have you guys with us today. Um, we have a special guest, Dr. Matt Catelli. He is the Assistant Professor of Vegetable Weed Science with Clemson University, and he is an extension researcher. Um, his office is out of the Coastal Research and Education Center in Charleston, um, and we are excited to have him on again today to give us kind of an update of what's happening this fall and what we should be doing, um, and maybe some hints and tips and tricks. So I'm going to let him take it away for a little bit, and then we'll kind of ask questions, see what's happening, and see where we go. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Thanks, Carrie. So fall as a weed scientist is a, uh, an exciting uh, time of the year. So in fields where you don't have, have a crop in, where you're transitioning to a fall crop, now is the perfect time to use a systemic herbicide to control yellow nutsedge. In a couple weeks, uh, yellow nutsedge is going to go dormant when temperatures get a little colder. So uh, adding a systemic uh, herbicide like glyphosate, which translocates from the shoots down to the underground uh, carbohydrate reserves and tubers, uh, it, it, it's really effective right now because you're getting that translocation of the herbicide down to the tubers. And then, you know, once it goes into dormancy, it's not um, uh, producing any more carbohydrates. And you're, it's, a, it's a really good opportunity to um, put a dent in your yellow nutsedge uh, population if that is an issue for you. So really, really good time to, um, to apply your systemic, specifically glyphosate to uh, yellow nutsedge right now from a long, if your objective is long-term control of yellow nutsedge. Uh, um, uh, have some uh, pickling cucumber and cucurbits, uh, fall, fall pickling cucumber going in some with some of my growers and um, we're looking at uh, 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 potential treflan and um, and solanol or, or uh, curbit products as pre-emergence. There, um, the big difference between treflan and cucurbit or curbit is that curbit is uh, is less volatile. Treflan you have to um, incorporate into the soil uh, because it is, is somewhat volatile. But the, in terms of efficacy. Uh, treflan is typically a little bit better than uh, cucurbit or than curbit. Uh, the, the mode of action acts uh, is the same for both those herbicides. They bind to a tubulin protein, which present, prevents mitosis in the susceptible uh, weeds. And they're, these compounds are really effective on um, grasses and small seeded broadleaves. They're not going to do too much to, uh, well, sedge isn't going to be too much of a concern right now. Or, uh, but, but the larger seeded broadleaf weeds are not going to be that effective on. Um, we have some uh, for, for collards and greens. Uh, my, the, the best herbicide that I've seen in the last couple of years is a, a product called uh, Sulfentazone. FMC is not uh, going to register Spartan in collard greens, but there's some generic companies 
uh, I believe uh, Suffland 4C is um, the name of, uh, yeah, it's by Summit Agro, uh, S-U-L-F-I-N uh, 4SC is uh, um, a sulfentazone product that's labeled uh, for use in, um, in leafy greens, such as uh, some coll uh, collard, collard greens. And then uh, Willwood sulfentazone 4SC is another generic product. But unfortunately, um, you know, FMC is not, uh, is not um, interested in registering uh, Spartan in, in uh, collard greens or turnip greens. Um, we don't have to worry about this too much right now, but with the uh, dynamic trailing herbicides I mentioned earlier, you have the potential to see uh, crop injury if the soil temperatures are cooler. So that's something to be cognizant of if you're, you know, planting, um, you know, a later season uh, uh, brassica crop or you're doing a spring season um, uh, brassica crop. So uh, soil temperature as well as um, seems like uh, soil uh, depth or sorry, planting depth uh, can influence um, injury of the crop to, to these uh, types of herbicides, ethyfluralin and trifluralin. Uh, uh, cucumber, they usually, if you, you plant it uh, a little bit deeper than the, the recommended um, depth in the uh, vegetable handbook, that helps out a little bit with uh, preventing injury in colder soils because the, the root isn't growing directly into the herbicide layer that um, would happen if you planted it a little shallower, more shallow. All right. What? Matt, you you mentioned uh, some light reading that you reference quite often. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I mean, I know we don't love to go back to the basics and and really dig in, but sometimes it's good to have a reference book around. Um, so, what what do you have, and what would you recommend? So, well, I mean, uh, for like weed ID, like weeds of the south, and uh, uh, there's uh, actually. Weeds of the South, um, Weeds of the Northeast, Weeds of the North Central are all good weed ID, um, seed ID books. Uh, for, you know, obviously the vegetable handbook has some management uh, recommendations, but if you're, you really want to get more into the um, depth of weed science, this, uh, the Fundamentals of Weed Science by Robert Zindel is a pretty good, it's, it's a textbook. So I'm, I mean, I, I don't know if you all want to purchase one or just some kind of group, I don't know, book club, you know, like a weed science book club. You can, <laughs> talk about different chapters of the, the Zindal um, uh, book, but you know, it's the uh, weed science. You think about, oh, it's just, you know, identifying weeds and spraying something or doing a cultural practice to control it. But there's, you know, there's a whole textbook just on weed science. So there's a lot of stuff that's covered in um, the book, including, which I actually didn't mention yet uh, for the fall update, uh, selection of cover crops. You know, that, you, I said, it's a great time to be a weed scientist because you're kicking that yellow nuts edge but you know, with, with these um, systemic herbicides going out right now, but also uh, this, the, the cover crops that we have in the, available in the winter are usually pretty good at suppressing weeds. Uh, cereal rye is gonna provide a lot of biomass and some, some um, also provides a little bit of uh, allelopathic residues, which are natural herbicides that would um, kill competing uh, weed species. And then, um, a lot of uh, brassica crops are pretty good for weed suppression, as well as reducing soil compaction. So uh, like something like a uh, mustard or 
or even like, like a turnip or something, that tuber is going to help with soil compaction. They also produce some allelopathic uh, compounds that would suppress, suppress weeds right now. So this, uh, you know, the book goes into cover crops, um, the, just the really basic biology uh, um, and function of, of cover crops, as well as many other topics. Awesome. And you touched on something that's, you know, really important is thinking about the whole season um, and planning ahead for success for spring, you know, using cover crops to help you manage weeds, to help you manage compaction. You know, that's really important that people don't always think about year long planning um, and, you know, oh, it's, it's fall, it's going to be early winter, you know, people just kind of get not lazy, but it's time for a break. You know, we forget about those things that we can be proactively doing um, to be successful, you know, and in the coming season, I guess. So, so that's really important. And I actually have uh, a copy of Weeds of the Southeast and Weeds of the Northeast. So I would definitely recommend, those are ones we use all the time here in our office. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the, the, the reason I, I said weeds of the Northeast, uh, I mean, a lot, there's a lot of crossover between weeds of the South and weeds of the Northeast. Uh, you know, this is what I harped on in agent training is keying out grasses and weeds of the Northeast actually has a big grass key in it uh, where you go through and say, does this have a ligule? Does it have uh, oracles? What type of ligule? Um, is it folded or rolled? So uh, I, I, um, I'm searching for like keys that not where you don't have to necessarily purchase that whole Northeast uh, book because we have the weeds of the South and that's good for the weed ID, weed biology, but the, the grass key is something that to me is very valuable, um, especially trying to identify uh, early season grass weeds because yeah, it, it's easy to identify or easier to identify grass weeds when they have their seed head, but that's, that's too late in terms of competition within the season. Now it might help with uh, understanding um, you know, weeds are indicator species, so it might help with understanding any kind of um, abnormalities you would have in soil conditions, such as uh, goosegrass is problematic in more compacted soils. Um, and if you're trying to, you know, manage weeds long term, you know, it's, it's fine to identify by a seed head. But within the season, it's really important to um, be able to identify that uh, grass. I remember uh, one of my first uh, extension visits um, in when I saw Clemson. There was a field where the applicator had applied uh, quinclorac in rice, and um, he said it didn't do anything. He's like, told me it didn't do anything to this uh, this crabgrass. You know, quinclorac is registered for uh, control of crabgrass. And look closer, and you know, it, it had started. Um, there's a couple of plants had the, the the white base and were a little more flat in their stem, and then the ligule to me indicated that no, that's that's not crabgrass. That's goosegrass. So that's the uh, that's like uh, a scenario where it was really important to ID the grass because then you wouldn't have um, uh, used gallons and gallons of that herbicide, which is not effective on that specific weed. So yeah, yeah. I, it's to me now you know it's a lot easier to ID young grasses because I know looking for those features makes it much easier. It used to be really daunting and overwhelming to somebody brings in a grass and you try to ID it. But now, you know, after looking at through a lot of keys and NC State used to have a really good weed ID key online, um, but yeah, I uh, think it got pulled. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know if one, is there one online that you would recommend? Uh, Virginia Tech has a pretty good one where 
it's, you know, it's not, it's grass is broadleaf sedges and you, it, it's kind of like the online key does, you know, is it, is it rolled, is it folded, is it, is it, you know, triangular shape, oh, so it's a grass sedge or a rush or is it a broadleaf weed and it goes through like the different um, potential scenarios and it's, it's a good, um, it, it's a pretty good reference for, for most weeds. Okay. So probably if you were looking for that online, I would guess uh, Virginia extension weed yeah. ID would get you in the right range. I think, yeah. yeah. I, th I think that's, yeah. Virginia Tech weed ID. Can look okay. but, uh, um, All right. I think that Rob said he had a question for you. Let's see if Rob. Yeah, that's correct, Kerry. Matt, I've had an inquiry from an asparagus grower about using chateau in asparagus in the late winter springtime i just wonder whether you've had any experience and any tips um uh chateau late winter springtime uh no my, my um i've done some experiments with uh prowl uh and callisto in um in asparagus and to me like i really liked uh for the i, I like callisto so to me the draw some of the driver weeds and um, at least some asparagus fields I've seen during the uh, winter time would be uh, um, what's that swine cress and that, that to me it's a really problematic weed especially in Nebraska's but most uh, either crops that are that you're growing through the winter and Callisto is uh, is really good on, um, on swine cress so Chateau um, I think they've come out with a that new uh, easy formulation. And that that's that's a little bit um, easier to mix. I don't have any uh, specific um, experience testing Chateau or Fumioxin as the active ingredient in asparagus. Um, did, is there a reason why you wanted to use Chateau? There's a, there's a lot of good um, uh, herbicides available for use in asparagus, more so than most vegetable crops. Is there a reason why they were looking at Chateau? Basically, Matt, he's a small scale grower with uh, three to five acres worth of asparagus. Um, and he's used Chateau in, very, in some of his other vegetable crops and saw that there was a, a label for Chateau on asparagus. Um, so it was what he had in store rather than buying additional materials. Yeah, I mean, Chateau's can be really good against uh, most broadleaf weeds. Uh, but. Um, and trying to, I, I'll have to look at the label more specifically if there's any um, potential injury concerns with a, with a fall application of, of Chateau. Thanks, Matt. That's great. I mean, I, I, I did look into it and it says 14, that minimum 14 days pre-spear emergence or pre-fern okay. emergence. So that's why my thought was heading towards a latter part of winter because I know in, in the counties where we are, um, ferns can come through pretty pretty quickly in less than two weeks after okay. last harvest okay yeah a chateau um i think a chateau uh callisto combination would be would be pretty good since so, you know callisto is going to have that that post activity as well yeah all right excellent thank you very much matt no awesome all right, I see Bruce is on here as well. Bruce, did you have any questions for Matt? I'm putting you on the spot. 
All right. Well, Matt, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Actually, um, so I've been using this. Uh, it's my first summer using this new plastic. Uh, it's developed by CNG. It's we used to have black plastic, but it's a reactive. Um, um, uh, it's it's reactive to UV light, so it's supposedly five times or so stronger than conventional black plastic. And it's the same price. Um, and we've uh, we've been testing it in, in water. We've only done it in watermelon. It seemed like it was a little more effective than conventional black plastic on uh, suppressing nuts edge puncturing through, but it's not perfect. But it, what we've kind of no good thing we've noticed about it is at the end of the season when you're trying to pull it up, it's a lot easier to pull up than conventional black plastic because it doesn't tear as, as well. So um, if if you're planning to say like a, a fall double a double crop of you know of uh, bro say broccoli in the fall followed up with pepper in the spring, I think that CNG plastic would be you know a good choice. It's the same price as uh, the conventional black plastic, but it. Um, it has improved, uh, improved, I guess, in, um, toughness regarding not, it doesn't tear as much and, and a little bit improved suppression of, of weeds, especially, especially in the wintertime, you're not going to have the, the nuts edge pushing through. But yeah, that, that would be definitely perfect benefit. For, for, for a double, a double crop, I think that, that, that'd be really good material to use. Yeah. And then you mentioned at the end of the season, trying to get it, get it out of the field. I think yeah. sometimes that's one of the biggest problems yeah. is that, you know, it just rips apart into little pieces and then you're stuck trying to get that, um, all that trash out. So, yeah. all right. Anything else? Um, I think we're right at about, yeah. So it, you know, I know the rain was, was certainly was an issue that um, you know, had to deal with in terms of planting and harvesting, but from a herbicide carryover's perspective, that's, it, that's a good thing to go out that rain in terms of like the rotational, um, you know, rotational herbicide interval, because I know last spring was cool and dry, and I had more herbicide injury complaints than I ever had in my, you know, five years at, at Clemson, so Hopefully this, you know, we had a hot summer and a lot of rain from say what was like July through August, September. Uh, so yeah, there's there's certainly some issues that came about with that regarding harvesting and disease and, and, and you know, crop like with our sweet potato crops didn't do well, at least the ones coastal didn't do that well. But there is a benefit of that and hopefully we won't have um, much carryover, herbicide carryover concerns going into this next season. I guess you always have to look for that silver lining, right? Yeah, I'm going to try to cause that. <laughs> we, we in the upstate, uh, was it two weeks ago, we got more rain than we ever needed. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but I guess that is a silver lining. So we're just looking ahead, right? Yeah, no, I like helping um, growers um, solve problems regarding weed control and making weed management recommendations. I don't like um, doing herbicide injury calls. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Matt, thank you so much. We appreciate having you on here. So um, again, um, our guest today was Dr. Matt Catelli, and he's the Assistant Professor of Vegetable Weed Science. Um, and we're really grateful to have him on. And we appreciate you and hope you come see us again. Thanks, Carrie. You have a good day. All right. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye.